talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Artist Interview, a podcast from Hope FM. And it's my joy as your host, Gordon T, to meet with people from around the world of contemporary Christian music. And this week, we're going to bring someone to you who I've really wanted to have on the show for quite a long time. It's Mr. Mike Donahay. And I tell you what, you might know him from 10th Avenue North fame, uh, and he's got a great story to share, I'm sure. But actually, he's also been producing some fantastic music since he's gone solo on his own. So let's hear this first track before we meet with him. This track is All Together. And that was All Together by Mike Donahay. Hey, Mike, how are you doing? Doing spectacular. Thanks for asking. <laughs> and a big smile. I'm pleased to see you, my friend. Thanks for coming and joining us this side of the pond. Where, whereabouts in the States are you? I live in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay, I, I, and that is the most common answer, I think. That's uh, clearly where most of the people in America must live. But I live in East Nashville, Tennessee, which is a little neighborhood, and I... Uh, successfully talked to all the Ren Collective members into moving here when they came over and they were like, we don't know where in Nashville we need to move. I was like, you need to come to my neighborhood. So. Uh, okay. Well, that, that is a nice claim to fame. So you've made an, an enclave with some, with, with some Irish guys. That's right. We love Ren Collective and they were here actually uh, doing a gig uh, about October time, um, which uh, we got to go to. Fantastic fun. So, but we're not here to talk about Ren Collective cool though they are um we're here really to talk about well about you and your journey if that's okay so i guess it'd be interesting to start with a little bit about your faith journey um when when you decided for yourself to be a christian tell us about how that all happened how old you were and a little bit about how that tied into your music and life in general yeah um you know, some people have like that Saul to Paul conversion, and then other people have more of a Peter kind of a story, if you're familiar with those guys in the Bible. Uh, I like to say I came to know Jesus as my Savior when I was five, as my Lord when I was 17, and my treasure when I was 18. So, okay, yeah. When I was five and someone said, hey, Jesus will take your spanking for you. I said, sign me up. I mean, I got spanked all the time. So needing a savior made a lot of sense to me. Um, but it wasn't until halfway through high school that I started to realize God's commands were good ideas and that he actually had better information than I did. And that's when he started to become my Lord. And right at that time, I got in a near fatal car accident. I actually flatlined five times on the way to the hospital. And on the, on the third time I was transported to heaven and I saw Jesus face to face. I've got to pause. Right. No, I'm, people... just I'm actually just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> cause, cause, cause that was a really extraordinary story. I was like, are you sure? Oh, I, I, I have, I, I've met jellyfish man. Do you know jellyfish man? 
No. Oh, there's this guy who got stung, but he, sw- he was swimming in the sea and got stung by a whole load of box jellyfish. And he does have a story like that. And that is a, so actually there are some people out there who, who have, who have been clinically certified as dead and then had that moment where they're meeting with the maker. So tell us what did happen. So you were genuinely in a car crash. I, and I did generally flatline five times. So, you know, so it was pretty bad. I really missed an opportunity here. I could have made up a story that I saw Jesus. I'd be, I'd be famous. I'd be jellyfish. guy. (laughs) Um, I, I, I got to the hospital. I, I broke my back and I broke my face and I was in intensive care. They thought I was going to die, all that. And I made it miraculously. And I had to lay on my back for two months. I missed the end of uh, a football uh, soccer tournament. Our team was doing really great. And I missed the end of the season because I broke my back. And while I was laying there waiting for my back to heal, that's the first time I asked for a guitar because um, I was just bored out of my mind. And funny enough, I started playing music and I went away to college and I was just starting to learn how to play. And I encountered a group of kids who just love to worship God. I mean, they would just sit around outside and just worship, worship, worship. And I really feel like I encountered the spirit of God in a way that I had never encountered, even though I grew up in a Christian home. And so that's really when God started to seemed like a treasure to me. He actually seemed like a better alternative than what the world could give me. And um, I just heard a quote, history is the long sorted story of people trying to find happiness in something other than God. Wow. And, uh, an interesting quote. Yeah. And that was sort of my, that was my uh, derailment from chasing the world and going, I think God's actually got more to offer me than anything he's made. So Savior, Lord, and treasure in that order. Some people, it happens all at once. For me, it was more of a progression. Yeah, and it's and as a five-year-old, I can see it's sometimes hard to grasp the full scope of what Jesus has for you. But but some do. Some have like extraordinary yeah. extraordinary experiences. But it's okay. So your, yours yours was a progress. Uh, were you being attending church each week by your folks, or, or what was happening sort of in between those years? Oh yeah, growing up, we went to church every year, every week, and. Uh, Definitely. I was a little church rat, always, always around it. Uh, but yeah, never got into music until I, I moved away and went to college. And it was funny. A lot of my high school friends, they, they couldn't believe that I was doing music when we had a reunion. They were like, wait, what? I don't remember you doing music. I said, yeah. They just thought you were the soccer guy. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. That's, that, that is unusual to not have, been doing anything with music at all and then suddenly hit the road almost running because I think I'm right in saying it was when you're at university that you started a little band yeah and it helps I was a theater major and when you're a theater major you can at least act like you know what you're doing so I might not have had any actual talent in music but I could put on that I knew what I was doing and that gives people a lot of you know they kind of accept what's happening up there uh, so, so tell, tell us a little bit about how that happened uh, and what, what were you trying to achieve when you started? Obviously, you were worshipping with people but you, and your musical skills were improving. What was the aim? Yeah, you know, at, at first, uh, it was just some friends and I got together and, and played some music. And then a buddy of mine said, hey, uh, I had just given a speech in speech class on how to teach guitar if you're not very good at guitar. That was my speech. 
and uh, I was teaching very basic chords. And my friend goes, I got, I run a coffee house. You want to come play at the coffee house? I go, I just jammed with these guys. Could I bring a band? And he goes, yeah. And we played and all our friends came and we had so much fun. We're like, we should keep doing this. And so for a couple of years, it was just kind of a joke. We're just kind of messing around. Um, but then we started getting asked to lead worship at different events, different student events. And I go, well, I love worship and that sounds great. And what ended up happening was at first I was writing songs just about whatever was we did more and more of these youth camps and conferences and worship services. I started going, ah, I just had this conversation with all these kids and man, I feel like they're all getting emotional, but I don't think they really understand the gospel. And so I found myself, I would sit and I would start writing these songs that I would want to play for the kids at the conference. And I didn't really think of it as I'm writing a worship song. I guess I didn't really, you would have thought that would have been a very natural thing. Like I'm going to write worship songs. I'm leading worship. But instead I was going, there's already great worship songs. What's, what's the song I need to write to kids so that they actually understand what they're singing when they sing the worship song. And so it's kind of a real natural progression of just getting up in front of kids and going, man, I feel like this is what I want to sing, not just with you, but I want to sing over you. If that makes, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. So those guys that you started in the coffee house uh, doing songs with, and you carried on doing stuff together, who are those people who were then morphed together and that became 10th Avenue North? Is that, is that where things went or are they yeah, oh, not yeah. relevant to this longest? It is the same guys. Uh, the, well, the bass player played with us for six years and then he quit long before the band ever got signed or anything. So it was Brian, wasn't it? Yes. But the drummer, Jason, uh, he was our drummer for 18 years and he still lives down the street from me. And he actually, I just did three shows solo as Mike Donahue. And we were talking and he goes, Hey, you got a drummer for those shows? I go, Oh, I don't actually yet. He goes, can I come play with you? Cause I kind of like drumming. I said, sure. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. That's lovely. And that's, so we're talking from right back in 2000 and you guys are still doing stuff together and friends live down the road from each other. That's who's how, when I called you earlier, that's whose house I was walking from. Okay. So, wow. So you really are close. Cool. Okay. So, so you started doing some worship events. You, you had something that you wanted to share. You wanted to help students to understand more about God's love and the, and the, the bigger story of what actually God was there calling them into. For our listeners at home who perhaps don't all know what you mean when you talk about maybe the gospel or if people say the good news of Jesus, or as you put it, Jesus taking a spanking for us. Yeah. Could you explain to me what what is it that what is this this great gift that God gives us? I'll give you a really specific example. We were at a camp and all these kids are singing these worship songs and they're crying and you know the the boys of the camp are putting their arms around the girls going, "Yeah, I love God too, baby. Here, put your head on my shoulder, you know." And like I don't know if they're really making moves for Jesus, you know. Um I sit at this picnic table with a bunch of kids. I go, man, you guys must know the gospel. You guys are all worshiping. You're all super into it. Somebody tell me the gospel. And they all sat there and they were like, uh, I go, anybody? I go, okay, let me reframe the question. How do you know God loves you? And they said, uh, if I get a parking space at the mall, I went, okay. They're like, 
if I get an A on my test, I know God. Lo-. And I was like, y'all, Romans 5, 8 says God demonstrates or some version says proves his love this way, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then I go, oh, yeah. I go, no, no, no. Listen, his active demonstration, the present tense, the way that right now he's proving to you he loves you. Sure, he might give you, I don't know, he could give you a parking space at the mall and he could give you an A on the test. But the way he's showing you that he loves you is past tense where he did on the cross. Well, what do you do on the cross? Well, he died for the sins of humanity so that the justice of God could be preserved while displaying the mercy of God towards sinners. And they're like, oh, cool. And so I go, how can I put this in a song? So I went back to my dorm room and I wrote a song called Love is Here, which says, love is here, love is now, love is pouring from his hands and from his brow. Love is near, it satisfies, streams of mercy flowing from his side, because love is here. So it's like, love is, it's right here, it's right now, it's happening. Yeah, absolutely. So the good news for anybody out there going, well, I don't know who this God is, is that there's an invitation. There's an invitation for you to get to know God, and it's through Jesus and his wonderful work on the cross that, as as Mike said, it, it wipes away uh, our sins and deals with the rubbish. Sins, it's a bit of a churchy word, isn't it? But the stuff that we've got wrong, our imperfection, the stuff in, that's the rubbish in our life, uh, God wants to deal with all of that so that we can approach and be a friend of God. It's pretty awesome. It's good news. So so thank, thanks, Mike. And uh, and that song sounds pretty cool, actually. So, okay, so you, 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 were, you were busy jamming with these guys. You were leading worship uh, and it, it gathered momentum. I would hazard a guess. So which year are we talking about now? That would have been, oh goodness, 2000. At that point, we were doing church camps and worship gigs from 2001 till 2007. So so six years of you doing stuff really for, for student age people um, because you love doing it. Did you have any idea what was going to happen next? Was it, did you have a plan? Did you, have, did, you, did you want something else to happen? You know, some people do. And that's, that makes a lot of sense. And for better or worse, uh, we had no plan. I mean, our whole plan was we love writing songs and we're trying to write songs. And so we had a band bank account and every gig we got paid for, we put 100% of the money into the band bank account. And then once we made enough money to record the songs that we had written, we'd go record the songs. And I guess in the back of our mind, we wanted, you know, we thought, wouldn't it be cool if radio stations played our songs? Or wouldn't it be cool if we got to do concerts all the time? Um, but honestly, we kind of, we just really trusted that if that's meant to happen. I remember I was hanging out, there's a group called Shane and Shane, and they were playing at my college. And I was, we were just getting started. I go, how do you guys do this? How did you go from, how did you get a bus? And how did you, and, and. Shane Everett said to me, he said, man, if God wants you to do it, just keep walking through the doors he opens and don't try to beat ones down that aren't opening. And uh, honestly, that really hit me hard. And that's what we did. Wow. Just walked in trust and faith and just saw what happened. It it worked out well for you. It doesn't work out well for everybody. There's an awful lot of people who probably would love to have had um, some of the story that you've got to share. Um, Because I think, what is it? Is it eight studio albums you guys did? 
Yeah, well, I think it was 10. Wow, you see, eight that I was thinking of and two that I can't think of. I got to push pause there because you're saying it didn't work out for some people. That's probably because in the providence of God, this wouldn't have been a good occupation for them. Yeah. So a lot of times we always think in terms of like failure and success and what did you do to do this? And I go, man, I know some dudes who are super talented who I think their music should be heard by everyone. But it obviously seems like in God's providence and kindness that he goes, you know what? I don't, this, that might not be the best path for you. Yeah. And we do, we do see people who are very successful, but their lives implode. And that's always sad to see. So I'd rather not be successful and not have an imploding life, I feel. It will and, and think about two different kinds of success. I had a friend say to me the other day, he goes, don't you love how God will take a song and he just makes it like five loaves and two fish. He multiplies it. Like you write this little song. And I go, yeah, sometimes. They go, what do you mean sometimes? I go, sometimes God does that. And then sometimes, do you know how many songs I've written that no one's ever heard? Sometimes it doesn't get multiplied at all. Sometimes it feels like a year's wages on a bottle of perfume that gets poured out on Jesus' feet. And it was just for him. But you know what Jesus says to that woman who Judas says, she just wasted all that perfume pouring it on Jesus' feet. He said, you know what? Everyone's going to hear about what she just did. Talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview. And we'll talk about 10th Avenue North for a moment, if we may, because I'll tell you what. You know what? I'm going to pause because you've, you've picked up a guitar. And I want to... Well, I just, you just said the band name and I was just like... God, you don't need me, but somehow you want me. Oh, how you love me. Somehow it frees me to take my hands off of my life. Why didn't why didn't we ever tour in the UK? If you guys were playing our music, um, what's going on? I don't know. And and just to say, uh, why did your people not accept my invitations for you guys to come on the show before? I, I, these are unanswered questions, which we will never find out the answer. But what I would ask is this: I want to ask about coronavirus because it was awful. I was we were sitting here going, we can't believe you guys. This is this is so sad because you've been there playing away for years and years and years. We've been playing your music for years. And then we knew it was your final tour. And we are like, oh my goodness, they're doing their final tour. And suddenly coronavirus is there. And we're going, I'm, I'm on the show going, I can't believe this is happening to 10th Avenue North. Their final, their final tour and coronavirus is absolutely kicking the whole thing in the teeth. Tell us a little, you know, I've, I've jumped ahead a lot in your story really, but I would like to know, that, tell us about that moment. Yeah, I don't know if gutted doesn't even begin to describe it, you know? I mean, it was devastating, like, especially because the reason we were breaking up was, I mean, we could have kept doing it. And we just all felt like it wasn't the healthiest thing for our families. And all the guys were going, you know what, I, this has been amazing, but we see the writing on the wall to like, keep doing this. We're going to have to keep doing so many shows that it's just, we just don't feel like it's going to be a healthy thing we can sustain. And in fact, they all gave me the blessing to like carry on as 10th Avenue North if I wanted, because they go, we know you're going to keep writing songs. So you can keep calling yourself 10th Avenue North and hire new guys. But we had such a love for each other. I was like, no, that's not cool to you guys to say, 
you're dispensable. I'll get some new people. Um, and so we really were trying to honor each other and like honor the fans and say, Hey, we're not going to just milk this and let it linger on. We feel like God's calling us to other things. We're going to end it. So everybody can like celebrate it together, you know? And, uh, yeah, the tour getting canceled. I think we were seven shows in and yeah, it all, all came. How many, how many shows did you have planned? I think we had 35 or six, something like that. Um, yeah. But, you know, everyone's got a canceled by COVID story, right? Everyone had something canceled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But lots of other people said, oh, we, we got to do lots of recording. We, got, we did this, we did a collaboration, blah, blah. But yours was your your final tour. So I, I, and, I and you guys did get back together, didn't you, to to do a final thing in twenty twenty one. So so I'm glad I'm glad that happened. How how many of your how many of your band members from history turned up at that? Yeah, so that's what a lot of people don't realize is we actually for the last ten years we had the same five guys. But before that, through college and when the band started, we just had people in and out of the band. And so when we did the farewell shows, we thought it'd be super cool to try to get everybody who ever played in the band. I think we had two guys who had filled in and played here and there that didn't make the show. But, you know, I think we had, gosh, 14, 15 people there. And you kind of, wow, wow. there was a lot of them. That is a celebration. And, and it kind of helps you go. Sometimes I think we all delude ourselves into thinking, you know, we really are responsible for whatever success we've experience. And then when you get everybody together, you go, Oh, wow. There were so many people that played a vital role that if they didn't come along at that moment, maybe the rest wouldn't have happened. And so it gives you kind of a humility to go, wow, this was, this was something built on the backs of a lot of people. And I'm honored to have gotten to do it with them. Well, well, I'm glad that you got to have those final was it two goodbye shows or was it one? Yeah, just two. Just we did two. two. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that happened and I'm glad that it sounds like such a, a wonderful send off and having all the extra guys together. Uh, what a sweet moment. So, and I'd actually just say hats off to your integrity for not wanting to carry on with the name. I, I did not know that that was the case because that is laying <laughs> something down, isn't it? Well, you know, the real, the real thing is I felt like, and I, maybe I misheard the Holy Spirit, but I feel like God was saying, I want you to let go of the name because I want you to trust that I'm going to keep blessing you and you don't need to hoard what was, that you can let it go and trust that I'm going to keep providing. Because really so many people in the business said, you're an idiot. You should keep calling yourself 10th Avenue North. Like you, you were always in the band. It's not disingenuous to preserve the namesake that you've created over all this time. And I said, yeah, maybe I'm putting God to the test, but I feel like God delights when we risk. And I feel like I'm honoring my bandmates. And if you took money out of it and fame out of it and recognition out of it, there's no, there's no question. It's like, of course I want to lay that down. But then when you go, oh, but you could capitalize on the fame and oh, people aren't going to know who you are. You're not going to be able to do concerts because people don't know who Mike Donahue is. And oh, you're not going to be able to make as much money. Then I'm like, oh, maybe I should have. 
I'm like, no, you know what, God, if you want me to keep doing this, I want to trust your present blessing, not hold on to your past one. Wow. That is a step of faith. And you're right. God does call us to, to risk things uh, as we are obedient. So, but I'm, I, I love your faithfulness in it. Do you know what's fascinating? Can I tell you what's fascinating? Yeah, I'd love you to. Every year on my birthday, I read articles from hospice nurses about the top 10 regrets of people who are dying. Oh. Okay, it's a morbid, it's a morbid study, but David says, just, you know, discern, oh man, you you know, count your number of days so you can gain a heart of wisdom. And uh, one of the things that strikes you, the top two are always the same. Number one is I didn't spend enough time with my friends and my family. And number two is I didn't take enough risk. Mm. Well, what, what, what's that? It's just a secular word for faith. I, did, I didn't bet it. I didn't, I didn't trust that God was actually going to come through. And so I played it safe. And I think God just, I think he's, I mean, Jesus, you know, it's funny. Jesus is never shocked by man's sinfulness in all the stories of the gospel. But one time he's surprised and it's by someone's faith. Yeah, I can see that. That 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 is interesting. I've, I've not spent a lot of time reading stories from hospices, but I can imagine it would be probably quite motivational. So, and help you with your priorities, which which I think comes out in some of your tracks, actually, um, because the next track we've got to play from you is called Glory I Couldn't See. Yeah. Tell us about that track. Oh, man, this is a confessional track. You're talking about the band ending, coronavirus. So I get sent home, right? I got four daughters to so pray for me. Uh, having four daughters is great. Just means someone's always crying. And sometimes my girls cry too. And uh, <laughs> it, it was crazy. We had to homeschool them. You know, they couldn't go to school. So we're terrible homeschool teachers. All our girls were getting dumber every second. And I was resisting it. I'm sure I'm not alone in this. I just kept saying, I don't choose this pandemic, Lord. I do not choose to be here. I wish I was still on the road. I wish I was still doing my farewell tour. I don't want to be here. And in the screw tape letters, C.S. Lewis says in letter 15, he says, the present is the only point where time touches eternity. And I was thinking about that. And I said, maybe the secret to me having peace in this pandemic is I have to actually choose to be where I am. I don't have to choose that all this happened, but until I say yes to where I have found myself, I'm a victim to life. And the second I say yes, I'm saying, God, what I'm doing is I'm opening up the potential that God is actually here working where I can't see it. And guess what? I started to see God all the, all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, I have this, yeah, it's hard. And yes, I'm sad. And yes, I'm mourning it, but also... I'm alone with my daughters for the first time. Oh my gosh. Do you know how beautiful it is when we go catch fireflies? Oh man, you know how awesome it is? We're cooking dinner together every night. Oh man, this is amazing. I'm, I'm sitting by the fire talking with my wife for hours into the night. All of a sudden there's all these things I go, oh my goodness, there's so much blessing here in the midst of this sadness. And um, so I was talking about that with some buddies and we wrote this song, Glory I Couldn't See. And uh I hope I stay eyes open to the glory 
because Jesus says, blessed are your ears for they hear and your eyes for they see. To every That was Glory I Couldn't See by Mike Donaghy. And I'm so pleased that Mike is still with us here on Hope FM for the artist interview. Mike, thanks so much for all that you shared uh, of your story, uh, your journey a bit there in faith, uh, and the things that God's taking into as well. It would be lovely, if you're happy right now, to pray for listeners, uh, particularly off the back of that track, with just being in the moment and seeing God in it. Oh, man, I'd love to. Uh, Father... Whoever's listening to me right now, um, man, I've just, I've seen over and over and over again that I get really dysfunctional in the places I resist you, in the places I say no to you, in the places I say I know better, in the places I don't say yes to what your Holy Spirit is leading me. And, uh, and so, Father, whoever's listening to this, I pray, God, that they would just they would just lay down their guns that they would stop their resistance because I trust that you are um, calling out to each of us, to each and every one of us, you know, in revelation, it says you stand at the door and knock um, in Hebrews. It says today, if you hear his voice, you know, listen to it, respond. And so your kindness is always coming after us. And I pray that, um, a lot of us resist your kindness simply because we say we can't imagine that the present circumstance we're in could have any of your kindness in it. And so what I, I just pray that you just help us say yes, say, okay, I allow this and I want to see where you are in the midst of it. Because sometimes, God, we get blinded to you. And I think a lot of it is just because things aren't going the way we wanted them to. But if we would just let go of how things are going, maybe we'd see that you were actually moving in the midst of it. So I just pray that all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, and uh, thanks so much, uh, Mike, for that. And the dog, who I think amen just a little bit early there. Yeah, he did. He did. So, My dog's a girl, too. I got it. Oh, yeah. It's all, all ladies here. That, that, that is that is a lot of ladies and only one guy but he's still smiling so that's good so um for anyone listening though who's still not sure really what what mike and i are talking about when we're talking about god's love and these things just to encourage you to pop online to www.findachurch.co.uk there are many thousands of churches around the uk that would love to help you encounter more of god's love and of course there's also the alpha course which is an opportunity to explore the christian faith with other people who are looking into it as well you get a meal many churches are running it so just just look up at the Alpha course on Google and you'll be able to find one nearby. Right. So, Mike, before we move away too far from 10th Avenue North, I'm just going to jump back to just to ask some quick questions on about what was your best moment with the band? Best moment with the band? Oh, man. Bro, so many great ones. So many great ones. Um, and there is this moment we played at this army base uh in america and there's a bunch of new recruits who are about to be sent off to afghanistan and we're on this base they put us in this gym 
And it's all these dudes in fatigues on one set of bleachers and all these ladies in fatigues and they all are holding rifles and it is cold and harsh. And we're going, this is going to be awful. And so we start playing and we get to this third song. I forget what the song is. All of a sudden this one dude drops his rifle, runs down to the basketball court and starts break dancing. Right. And all of a sudden, all of them, thousand flood the court on like on cue. And we saw some of the upper officers are trying to keep them. I guess the, the men are supposed to be over here and the women are supposed to be over here. And anyway, and then a couple songs later, bro, they're all on their knees, crying, worshiping, praying for each other. Insane. To this day, over the years, we would have someone come up in the signing line, go, Hey, do you remember that time you played Fort Jackson? I go, yeah, I remember that. And they go, nothing I've ever experienced in my whole life. I changed my life, that, that service in that basketball court. And so that was one of those ones that was just so unexpected and still just so beautiful. It was just such a gift, you know? That sounds like a wonderful memory to have. I'm going to flip it now and ask, what was the hardest moment? Plenty of those too. Honestly, I mean, we're getting honest. We were on our first tour supporting a band called Sanctus Real. And we were sleeping in a, no, we were in a van, just a 15 passenger van. We're following the tour bus because we didn't have enough money for a tour bus. So we're in the van and we're eating bologna sandwiches. We're sleeping on the floor. My wife and I were just married and we discovered we were pregnant right before the tour started. And halfway through the tour, uh, my wife's cramping. We go to the, a hospital and they said she's having a miscarriage. And so we had to drop my wife off in the airport and drive to the next show because we didn't have enough money to not do the show. And my wife had the miscarriage in the bathroom toilet at LAX in LA. And then she flew home. And then when the show was over, St. Streel was kind enough. They bought me a plane ticket home for the three days we had off to go home and be with my wife. That, that is a genuinely awfully hard moment. Yeah. Gosh, I, I think sometimes people don't realize some of the sacrifices that people on the road are making. The fact that you didn't have the money and Sanctus Real bought you the ticket or well, bless them for that because, man, I bet you and your wife needed to spend some time just crying. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote about that. I have a book called Finding God's Life for My Will and I have a whole chapter about a miscarriage in a airport toilet and experiencing the comfort of God in that moment that didn't make any sense at all. Uh, yeah. What about the wisest decision that you guys made as a band? Man, I know it sounds weird, but I think honestly retiring uh, because none of our family situations were bad, but we could see that if we didn't retire, it was going to get bad real quick. And, uh, I, I just know a lot of guys who can't, can't let it go. You know, it's tough. Like, it's awesome. It's, I mean, getting applauded for showing up to work, like being a musician is awesome. And, um, I'm really proud of the guys all saying my kids are all basically a bunch of the guys that have kids are starting to go to middle school and stuff and just said, we can't, can't be on the road anymore. And, um, 
So I think that was the wisest thing we did. Talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music, this is the Hope FM Artist Interview. It would be great to talk a little bit about what is God doing with you in this season, because now you're solo. Uh, your album Flourish came out last year. And if I may so, so it is a, I think it's a beautiful album. So, um, and definitely I'd recommend listeners, if you haven't yet heard uh, Mike's album Flourish, go and have a listen on your favourite streaming platform, because uh, it's got some great tracks on there. What's your favorite track from the album? You know, obviously it always changes, kind of changes week to week and when you're playing the songs. And it's always, it's tough to always pick a favorite song, right? Because Mac Powell from Third Day, if you ever talked to Mac, he said, he'd always say, man, my songs are like my children. Even if you got an ugly one, you love them all the same. Um, but I, I love them all. But right now I've been loving this song called... Um, Um, something that I can't explain. That's why I had to play the guitar part to remind myself of the name of the song, which was a song I wrote with the former guitarist of Hawk Nelson. And we wrote it for the former lead singer of Hawk Nelson, John, who had just come out very publicly saying he doesn't believe in Jesus anymore. And so we kind of called it a worship song for the deconstructionists. And uh, we basically said, what if we could write a worship song where even people who don't think they believe in Jesus anymore or are very skeptical about Jesus could like maybe sing this worship song authentically. And um, so we wrote the song and I sent it to John because he's a friend of mine. He's like, bro, this is beautiful. I want to play it all the time. So mission accomplished. Wow. Yeah. That, 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 that is, and I guess probably numbers of the songs have got stories behind, but that one is a, is a, is a great story. Uh, maybe a sad story, but also a great story. And I'm glad that he, he appreciated it. That's, that's cool. You know, when so, people deconstruct, sorry, I've always said, we just think it's our job to save them. And the really tough reality is that, that that's not our job. You know, uh, Paul, Paul tells Timothy in second Timothy, he says, Correct your opponents with all gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance leading to the truth. So we are, we are, to, we are to correct, but we get to do it gently because we go, you know what? God's the one who's going to have to change your mind. I can't, but I, but I can tell you the truth and I can love you. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. I think continuing showing love to those around you, um, is a, is a great when we get really, really angry when someone's deconstructing, that usually has to do with it's resonating too much with our own doubts. And so we get, we get afraid. And that's why we get angry. We get angry to mask the fear that we're feeling. Um, and if we were motivated by love, I think we'd be able to have a lot more peace and grace in those moments. Yeah. I think going back to the song we played right at the start, altogether, in there it talks about it's basically talking about we don't need to be perfect. It's talking about the the cracks that let the light show through. And uh, and uh, I think that one of the things I've, I've enjoyed just getting to know you a little bit, well, maybe a bit before we actually started recording as well, was you are very honest about things. And I think um, there's a danger in the church and, and in the UK church as well for uh, us to, to put on a pretense and like to make sure everything looks a certain way, uh, behave a certain way, and always be at least okay. Very British thing to to anyone ask how you are. You, the answer is always fine. Um, but I didn't get that impression from you, from you, Mike. I got the impression that you're quite happy to admit that you haven't got all the answers and you haven't got everything 
all together. Is that fair? Man, I that is, if I could say my mission statement right now, it would be, it would be, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? Why on earth would God put his treasure in humans? It was like, oh, so we can be perfect and show everyone how good God can make us. No, to show that the power is not from us, but from him. So think of the genius of God. Okay, I'm going to put my treasure in people who are flawed because I want to illuminate my grace, right? And the way to illuminate grace isn't to start with something perfect. It's to start with something broken and show how God can put it back together again. So think of it in pottery language. In Japan, there's a tradition called Kintsugi, which is uh, one time the empire emperor's servant broke his favorite vase or jar. And the servant went to the silversmith and with silver, they pieced the jar back together. So now there's this tradition in Japan called Kintsugi where a, a a piece of pottery is broken and it's put back together with gold or silver. And the end result is it's more valuable than the one that was never broken. And that's, I feel like that's what we're meant to be is like, Hey, can I show you, can I actually show you my cracks? Because then you can see the, the grace that had to glue me back together. In fact, we just recently had on the show, um, an organization called Kintsugi Hope. Uh, and uh, there, oh, there are well, yeah. what am I doing telling you about it you know you know you're saying well but our listeners may have missed that episode so um but they uh they, they they're basically a mental wellness um organization in the UK which uh, serves within churches but also people outside the church and uh, absolutely it's about people being able to be honest about the fact they're broken but also then being rebuilt and um but it's lovely when God is doing, uh, just releasing gold into those situations. So if you don't mind me asking, uh, Mike, what are the areas that you feel you've been broken in and God has rebuilt you? Well, I think lately God is showing me that he's given me uh, a way with words and your strength is also your weakness. And so he's showing me how I can be argumentative, how I can be, uh, that I can need to be right instead of needing to be love. Uh, he's also showing me that instead of building people up, I can really just be flattering them to gain something from it. So he's been like kind of purifying my motivations or at least exposing to me my sinister ones. I hope he's purified. I, I trust that he is in time purifying them. Um, so all that to say, I think what he's, he's really showing me that he's even good enough to use me when my motivations are not pure. I think sometimes we think if I get pure enough, then God will use me. I think it's both. And I think he uses us in spite of us sometimes. And I've just been really humbled by the fact that even when I had, I know I had bad motivations there. It's like, wow, God still used it. And he's continuing to expose that in me so that I can keep letting him purify me. Like it's a double kindness, right? Like it's a double kindness of God that he would use me 
in my bad motivations and continue to expose them and like want to keep making me a, uh, a more pure image bearer of him, you know? So it wasn't really specific. Was that specific enough? I guess I got a little specific. I, I think that that was uh, a good answer. I thought it was honest. So um, yeah, that, I, I think it's, we, we're told, we're told to, well, to search our hearts and, and I invite God to search my heart because it's so easy to not realize when your motivations are going skewy. Oh, here's a real specific example. We just had a couple over and we're like, how's you guys, uh, how's you guys marriage going? They're newlyweds. They're six months married. And they're like, Oh, you know, da, da. and my wife, I go, our first marriage was our first year of marriage was horrible. It was terrible. And you could just see them go, yeah, it's actually super hard. Oh my gosh. I just, I haven't been able to tell anybody cause you know, you're newlyweds and it's supposed to be great. Blah, 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 blah. And you go, Oh man, me being honest about what was really hard and difficult and how we stayed in there and God has made it sweeter each year in time uh, and how that actually is more encouraging to someone than saying, Oh yeah, it's the best. Marriage is the best, you know, beyond your own journey you're right being being honest about things that weren't easy gives other people permission to be honest about the things that they're struggling with so so well done well done for for saying yeah it wasn't easy for listeners out there i just want to actually echo what mike said my first year of marriage was a nightmare i've been married 30 years and i absolutely love it so um so uh, i I think it's fair to say god's been doing a beautiful work within me and in my wife and uh, and it's absolutely great now so but um 30 years and we're still learning i've got to say so um so yeah um wherever you might be wherever you're listening i just want you to know god loves you and god always has good things for us so talking about good things for us okay so your album came out in 2021 it's called flourish there's 11 songs on it and i've been just early on saying i recommend it as a as a really beautiful piece of work are you going to be touring with it or is god giving you other priorities what's happening yeah so that's that's the cool thing with when you're a solo act it's a lot easier to do shows and make a living when there's just one of you uh than when there's five of you and and all the gear and stuff so um, yeah, I've been, I've been out playing. I'm, I'm actually flying to a church to, it's been cool. God's given me circumstances where I'm getting asked to come and I play some songs, but I also speak and like teach. So I was just with a group called compassion international for some of their staff. I was doing a little retreat for them a couple of days ago, and then I'm going to a church this weekend. So, uh, it isn't, quite the same where it's just like night after night concert 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 I'll, I'll still do concerts but it's actually been exciting because i've um god's sort of expanding the kinds of things i get to do um and one of the things i'm stepping into right now is there's a group here in the states called professional athletes outreach and they actually have been doing these conferences for nfl players so american football and uh major league baseball um, and hockey. And they're asking me to come alongside them and start something for artists as well. So, uh, I might actually get to kind of run some conferences for health of artists and community building and just that kind of stuff on the side as well. So it's just a fun new season where I get to do lots more than just play shows. 
So we've got one more track uh, to play from you. Uh, and this track's called Follow You Into The Fire. Tell us about that track. Wrote this song on my back porch mid-pandemic with a buddy of mine who's in a band with my sister who lives across the street. I live in Nashville, so there's musicians everywhere. And we were kind of talking about the difference between a fire that purifies and a fire that destroys. And I think a lot of people are scared when we hear about God as a consuming fire. that, That causes a lot of fear in some people because they think God is a fire that destroys things. Well, the only thing God destroys with his fire is the things that are actually destroying you. And that his fire is actually a purifying fire. And, um, and when you start to see it that way, you start to actually not even avoid the fire of God, but you actually invite the fire of God. So this is a, this is a song of like, what if I actually learned to dance in disappointment and I learned to follow God into what feels like fire because I trust that at the end, he's just purifying what needs to be purified. I want to follow you into the fire And learn to dance when the flames get higher Cause all my life touch the flame Trust your love, I'll never be the same I want to follow you into the fire The fire And that was... Follow You Into The Fire by Mike Donaghy and what a great guy, lovely, really enjoyed spending time with him, so honest and open and uh, if you enjoyed that interview also, there's loads of other interviews that you can listen to on the Ask Interview on your favourite podcast platforms, just go and search it up and you could do us a favour, you could subscribe, like it, share it with a friend, there's so many blessings in there and so much great music to enjoy too. So thanks for joining me, Gordon T, I look forward to being with you again another time. God bless. Bye-bye. Talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview.